to another episode of the Mr Barton Maths Podcast with me, Craig Barton. This is another episode in my Teaching From Home podcast series, a series of episodes dedicated to supporting teachers who are working from home amidst the COVID-19 outbreak of 2020. The Teaching From Home podcast series is kindly supported by Tez Resources. Tez Resources have created a home learning collection full of lovely hand-picked free resources for teachers to use with children who are learning at home or to share with parents. Please search online for Tez Home Learning to find the collection and see how Tez can help you. You can also find this collection through the Tez Coronavirus Support Hub at tez.com forward slash coronavirus. Now, my aim in this series is that you will hear from a wide variety of teachers sharing a wide variety of experiences. We've already had a couple of technology-focused episodes, looking at the use of things like Microsoft Teams, Zoom, and Google Classrooms to try and make remote teaching work. But we've also had episodes focused on the practicalities of simply setting students work when, for example, you can't guarantee students will all have devices or you've got family responsibilities of your own at home. We've also heard from maths teachers, but also non-maths teachers to see if there's any difference there. But there's been one thing that we've been lacking and this episode, I intend to put it right. So this time around, I spoke to John Hutchkinson. Now, one of the main aims of this series was to speak to teachers of different age groups. John is assistant head at Reach Academy Felton, which is a through school, which means that they have pupils from year two through to year 13. Now, as we've heard in this series, the challenge of setting work or remotely teaching older students is problematic enough, but how on earth does it work for younger students? Well, John and his team have an answer in the form of daily videos they record that the students watch at a time of the day that suits them. They then do work on paper and their parents take a photo and email that through at the end of the day. We discuss in this episode exactly why John and his team chose to do this and how's it working. And best of all, there's a link in the show notes that takes you to all the videos that John and his team have produced, which may be useful if you're a teacher or if you're a parent of younger students. Now, as a warning, the sound quality is a little ropey at the start of the conversation, but thankfully that soon sorts itself out. I really hope you enjoy this one. I know you will. And please stay safe. Okay, so it gives me great pleasure to welcome John to the podcast. So could you, um, just to kick things off, will you tell us a little bit about yourself and your school, please, John? Yeah, hi, Craig. Uh, I'm John Hutchinson. I'm the assistant head teacher in charge of curriculum and assessment at Reach Academy Felton. We're an all through school um, and we were one of the free schools, one of the first free schools to set up. Uh, so we set up in Felton in 2012 and have children from 2 to 18 uh, so for the last few years, we've had the children coming through our our whole school, um, and my my role is in charge of the, the the curriculum and assessment for the the primary phases. We try not to use the terms primary and secondary. We try to sort of like 
delete them from our lexicon um, because we think to get the value of an all through school, um, it, it's best to think about it as one school. Um, I think um, it's quite easy to just have a primary and a secondary that happen to be located on the same on the same site. But what we wanted to do was to make sure that those children were really well known by all of their teachers throughout their school and that the curriculum was really coherent right right through the key stages and there wasn't sort of a this sort of a cliff edge that you sometimes get from year six to year, year seven um so that's me <laughs> and just so because I, I don't i don't think we have them all through schools up north or, or i might i might be i might be miss, missing things here and just in terms of the practicalities of it john do you um are the are the primary and secondary on separate sites separate buildings and do teachers teach kind of across key stage two and three or would it very much be kind of se- separate in terms of the actual teaching itself yeah good question so i think that there's a range of approaches from uh all th- all through schools sort of that are located on different sites um, to um, schools that where you have two buildings but but on the, but on the same site. We're we're really lucky. We had um, a new building built for us, and we so we have one big building that has all of our children. Uh, one of the one of the sort of bets that Rebecca Kramer and Ed Brancare, who set up the school, made was that small small year groups was something that was really important. So we. Um, the, the founders went into the project with the idea that this was about serving a community and especially about serving a community that had been let down in lots of ways in the, in the past. And so we wanted to become a part of that community and still feel like we, we are a part of that community. And so small year groups is really important. So we only have 60 children in each year group. And that's true from, from reception right up to uh, year, year 13. Um, and, uh, uh, and so the way that we work it is we have five floors, which are our five phases. So reception year one and year two are phase one, year three, four, five are phase two, uh, year six, seven, eight, uh, phase three. So that's sort of, I guess, where traditionally secondary would start. But we have our year sixes on that floor. Uh, year year nine, ten, eleven. That's the that's the GCSE floor. That's phase four. That's that's where everybody looks a little bit frazzled. And um, year year twelve and thirteen, they they have the run of the top floor. Um, so that's that's uh, that's all of our sixth formers that are up there on that top floor. And with each so with each phase that you go up, things things are a little bit different. Kids get a few more responsibilities. Uh, so sorry, a few more privileges, but also have a few more responsibilities. So they'll they'll take they'll get a blazer once they move up into into phase three for example and have a little bit more freedom but they get a bit more homework wow and do um again forgive me if this is a stupid question but do the kids all stay in in one room and the teachers move between classrooms and between floors or or do the the kids move uh, between classrooms we so to begin with we try to keep the kids in the same room for as much as possible um because we don't um we don't really so this is controversial (laughs) speaking to you because uh we don't really believe in the in setting or streaming i think that i think that that's first of all there's like so i'll I'll equivocate here because I, i i think that um the, the conversation on setting and streaming is, is never nuanced enough. And I think that, that maths is a good example. Phonics is another good example where actually setting is something that's um, a, a really good idea. Um, having said that, we we have small year groups and we believe that mixed ability teaching or mixed attainment teaching um, is something that, that we want to have as part of our culture. Um, and uh, so 
so it means that we don't have to like juggle classes around so much having said that we we have recently moved teachers around a bit um so teachers and children sort of move around um sort of equally i mean if, if kids are moving obviously to do a science lesson they have to go into the science labs um so we'll try to keep them in the same room but but they will move about throughout the day Got it. Got it. Now, there's there's a real danger here, John. So I've wanted to wanted to have you on the show for ages. And there's a danger that this this could turn into one of my mammoth uh, epic three hour uh, less uh, podcasts. So, <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to be really kind of restrictive of myself. And I'm not going to ask you all the things I want to ask you about curriculum, sequencing, all that kind of thing when I, that I've, I've heard you talk about when I've been lucky enough to see you at a research ad. And instead, we're going to get you back on the show. You don't really get a choice about this. It's kind of uh, well, once you're on here, you, you, you're contracted in for life. Um, we'll get you on the show once some um, schools return back to, to normal to talk more about that. And um, what I want to focus on, of course, here is is this this teaching from home that we all find ourselves in the, in the position of, of trying to get our heads around the best way to do it. And one of the main reasons I wanted you on was because obviously you've you've got this experience of, of, of primary school um, and we haven't had a primary school teacher um, on this uh, on this series as of yet. And with all the challenges that secondary schools, uh, secondary school students face, I can only imagine it's 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 a whole new ball game when it comes to the younger students. So we're going to dive into all of that. But just to start off with, John, I'm interested in getting a sense of how you yourself are, are coping with this. And um, now we're recording this in the middle of the Easter holidays. So I want you to imagine that this is uh, not in the holidays. It's a kind of normal school day from teaching from home, as normal as that can be. Uh, what does the structure of your day look like? Uh, when does it start? When does it finish? when do you do your kind of preparation and how does it fit in with any family responsibilities you might have um so my day starts about i guess about i get about seven half past seven um which is just a huge treat because into in, i have an hour and a half commute i really love my school yeah commute across yeah, I commute across London, so it's it's normally a couple of tubes and a train to get to work. Um, so I'm no, I'm normally up about half past five, setting off about um, six, which gets me into school about half past seven. So I'm getting into school in inverted commas at the same time, but having an extra hour and a half in bed in the morning, which is delightful. Um, so uh, so it starts about half past seven, and we we made the choice um, in in phase one i'm going to use i'm going to use that term primary but in primary um, we we um, made the decision to uh, have a briefing every morning at eight o'clock so um, one of the expectations is that all teachers are on a zoom briefing at eight o'clock um, and so we all log in and we and we sort of talk about some of the things that went really well yesterday, um, what people have planned for today and any sort of notices or announcements. Um, and then we log off and people people go about their their sort of jobs. Um, so for me, what that means is uh, I've sort of uh, been put in charge of the online learning um, because my wife is pregnant at the moment. So we're we're locked down. She's she's locked down for the long run. And, and once we once we sort of close, then um, my, uh, my my senior uh, team sort of said, um, you, you're not going to come into school. You're just going to stay locked down. <clears throat> which means I'm I'm sort of running things uh, remotely. So um, from after the briefing, what I'll normally do is spend a bit of time 
uh, calling families who are having some sort of problems with accessing online stuff. So it could be that the, the videos aren't working because there's some sort of restriction or they're just having trouble sort of uh, loading, uploading something. So I spend a bit of time um, calling those those families. Those families are sometimes, but not also, um, the, some, uh, sometimes, but not always, um, are, are more sort of vulnerable families. And so uh, as well as d- sorting out some uh, geeky tech problems, it's just a good way to, to check in with those and have a little chat and, and start the day and, and hear about how they're finding it. Um, so, so I'll spend my sort of a morning doing so solving those sorts of problems um, about uh, um, them from about uh, midday onwards. Um, what I'll be doing is uh, watching some of our amazing videos that our teachers have, have put in place. So um, I will um, watch those videos and just drop messages to teachers, sort of telling them how brilliant they are. Um, if there's anything which um, I think needs to be changed, um, then I'll also just let them know that. Um, so that might sound a bit like, oh, my gosh, they're doing they're doing lesson scrutiny, so online <laughs> lessons. But it could just be something like. Um, you've asked these you've set this task and it requires a protractor and we just can't assume that all families have a protractor at home so, so can you give a different task for, for tomorrow can you make sure that, that can you just imagine that they all have a piece of paper and a pencil um, and, and set tasks that only require those two things um, oh, just just to give them a, a bit of a nudge for that um, and then I'll contact some teachers so we have a contact tree so all of our teachers are contacted every day. And that's that's just a chat. That's just, hello, how are you doing? How are you finding it? Um, how's being in lockdown? How's, how's work going? What are your working patterns? Is there anything that we can do to help? Um, uh, and at 3.30, we have what we call our mindfulness meeting. So this is optional for teachers. But it's, but it's really well attended. And it's especially well attended by uh, our staff who are, who are parents. Um, so we, we'll go on at 3.30, we'll, we'll get on. And, and that's a way of sort of like bookending the day and to sort of say, how was today? What was what was really difficult? Um, has anybody else found that sort of thing difficult? Uh, what, what are people doing tonight? Has anybody got any good series on Netflix that they're watching that, that we can watch? Thanks so much for your work today. Um, don't turn off your laptops and don't do anything else until tomorrow morning now. Uh, and that's just sort of like helps everybody to transition from the day because we think that routine is really important for children but routine is really important for for staff as well um so that's pretty much what my day looks like any sort of spare bits of minute uh, spare minutes um i'll i'll spend uh, writing curriculum booklets or um speaking to to other sorts of schools about what we're doing to see if there's anything that we're doing that can be a bit, bit more helpful because we we believe in being as sort of uh, outward facing as possible we think that we're all doing the same job here for the same purpose, which is to help kids um, get the best possible education that they can. Um, and so as much as possible, we try to share what we're doing. That's absolutely fascinating, that John. And we're obviously going to dive deep into into the videos and what they look like. Um, I love the idea of the, that mindfulness session at the end of the day, which is which is optional. It's not something that, that the teachers are tied to, but a good way of yeah, just bringing things together and, and shutting down for the day. That seems it seems a super smart idea. That um, and and structure. Um, it, it's fascinating throughout this series. Structure and routine has been something that's always been emphasised by everybody, but 
in particular in terms of the students and yeah that's something that I've found where, where the structure of my day is completely changed now I, I find that very hard and I, I love a routine so that that's fascinating that um I'm interested in in the content that, that you're covering as, as well, John. Um, I know obviously curriculum plays a huge part in in your philosophy in your school's philosophy. Have you ch- adapted the order of your schemes of work in any way um, with these with these circumstances that the kids are now at home and teachers are at home, or are you um, are you ploughing through in the, in the same order that you would have done if schools were open? Um, so we're taking. Um... We're taking what we um, uh, one of the things I do is uh, teach um, in our sixth form uh, religious studies. Um, And so so to borrow a Church of England phrase, we're taking what we're calling a middle way here um, where we're we're not um, sort of abandoning abandoning curriculum completely um, and and just doing consolidation or retrieval, which I know what some schools are doing. And that that seems like a smart decision. we're also not trying to cover what we would have covered in school. I know that, again, some schools are trying to do that and, and that's laudable. Um, we, we, what we've done is we've said this is what we were planning on, on doing in terms of content, in terms of the sorts of uh, knowledge and skills that we were hoping to, to teach the children. Um, what's, what is possible? Um, and let's not make perfectly the enemy of the good here. If it's just not possible to do, then we just throw it out. And and what can we strip out to make sure that the lessons um, are are really achievable? One of the things that we're really really keen not to do is put additional stress onto onto families um, in, in what is what is already a stressful situation. So we actually think that giving nothing at all would be would be stressful for families. Um, and, and so that's one of the reasons that we're offering. Um, daily lessons um, with the expectation that, that that pupils complete the work in those so in terms of curriculum I'll give you an example um, in our primary phases uh, for literacy what we normally do in, in primary is we have an hour of reading in the morning an hour of reading instruction and an hour of writing instruction and they'll often be based on the same book so um, children will be uh, stud- our year threes at the moment are studying a book called Journey to Joburg um, and so they'll spend an hour reading that and focusing on one skill maybe something like inference and they'll spend a bit of time um, watching the teacher modeling making inferences and then in the writing session they might focus on uh, retelling one of the retelling one of the bits of the story uh, for, for what we're doing with online lessons we've decided that just one literally lesson a day makes more sense and so we just flip-flop one day will be a reading day the next day will be a writing day with our maths lessons we usually have a seven-part lesson because we follow the maths mastery um, scheme. Um, seven-part lesson feels like uh, it would be a bit overwhelming. Um, and so we've stripped that down um, and, and we'll have sort of a key bit of modelling and then chance to pause and, and sort of apply and practice that. Another key bit of modelling, chance to pause and sort of uh, uh, practice that and, and just stick it as, as those two bits. Mm-hmm. So, so, so we've stripped it back, basically. And just could, could you give us an example of something that you, you've cut out that you decided just what wasn't feasible in these conditions, John? Oh, OK. Um, yeah. So um, <laughs> anything that requires specialist equipment, like I said before, uh, we, we we sent kids home with exercise books uh, before we closed. So we were quite lucky in that we. Um, we anticipated the closures and so had a bit of time to put some put some things in place, uh, like checking whether kids have devices and things. Um, but one of the, one of the assumptions that we make is that um, 
kids will only have a pencil and the exercise book that we gave them because for some of the children that will be true um, and, and one of our sort of guiding principles is uh, to sort of pitch things towards those pupils um, it, it, I promise this is the only curriculum chat we'll give but in the same in the same sort of way that we go for a, a knowledge rich curriculum um, because our, our belief is that for some of the kids if they don't get that cultural capital that sort of rich knowledge in the classroom they won't get it at all um, and so what we, we'll focus our curriculum at that kid um, because they're the ones um, that are least likely to go on to get the top grades that give them choice and opportunity. Um, similarly, some kids won't have loads and loads of things at home. Um, so we will change. We've changed the maths unit, um, which was particularly to do with uh, space and, and, and measure. Uh, because it required quite a lot of um, it required quite a lot of uh, specialist equipment that that, are, that isn't in school. Our literacy tasks um, similarly uh, will give will give writing tasks uh, that don't require like lots of precise feedback. So uh, I think that our year three staff uh, decided to take out uh, a, a little unit on dialogue because to teach kids dialogue they make loads of errors on the punctuation and it's quite difficult to you need to be sort of like whizzing around the kids books with a highlighter going you've missed you've missed the you've missed that inverted comma you've missed that you've missed that comma um and, and kids can quite find it quite hard to sort of self-check that work um so we're just taking each bit and having a look at it and just sort of imagining that kid where Perhaps uh, we, we have parents, we know that we have parents who are doing incredible work um, on, on the front line, maybe working nights and, and so sleeping in the day. And they so they won't necessarily have their parents available to help them. They won't necessarily have loads of equipment available to them. And so we have that kid in our mind when we're sort of planning those lessons. Will they be able to do this lesson, even though they're seven and they've just got that available? Got it. That makes a lot of sense as well. I, I like that as a principle. And um, what, what's your balance then, John, um, between live teaching and, and assigning work? Is it and um, we're going to talk um, in detail about about your videos and um, would, would they be live teaching or is that kind of watch at any time? Yeah, so um, they're not live teaching. Um, we we're doing very little live teaching. Um, so the reason for that is because. Uh, we think that it's important that families have the flexibility to watch the videos when it suits them. Uh, so we we know that we have families um, that uh, prefer to do the sort of work in the late afternoon or evening because that works that fits in with working patterns for them. Um, uh, and so that's absolutely fine. Fine, we wouldn't we wouldn't dream of saying to that parent, no, it must be done at nine o'clock <laughs> when the timetable says nine o'clock. Um, there are also families where we have three or four or four siblings and they're sharing one or two devices and so the fact that they're recorded gives those families the flexibility that one kid can watch their maths video and then they can start doing their equations while the other kid then logs on and, and watches their english video um, and they just sort of flip-flop around uh, so we record the videos and we pop them up onto youtube um, uh, or Loom, um, and the kids can access them um, at a time that's sort of appropriate for them. Um, that's pretty much. There's a little bit of live teaching. I do a bit of live teaching for our, our sixth formers, our, our older children, um, but, but generally it's recorded and, and put up um, just at, at nine o'clock. All the videos, all the links are put up, so the kids can access them at a time that suits them. 
got it. Um, now, I'm, I'm obsessed with the practicalities of this, John. I mean, in terms of recording the videos themselves, well, what kind of kit or what kind of technologies are, are your staff using for them? So, um, again, we, we, were, we were really lucky. We <laughs> perhaps pessimistically um we we sort of predicted the school closures um quite early uh and so uh, about two or three weeks before they went up we started to put some of these plans in place and so we we scrapped a cpd two weeks before um and <laughs> used that to train train our teachers how to how to record videos um so uh we use zoom and youtube and loom so our they're slightly different in primary and secondary here. And so I'll, I'll start with primary. Uh, in primary, what teachers will do is they will they'll log on to Zoom, which I think a lot of people are familiar with now. And um, they'll open up a meeting, but just with themselves. This is our this is our little bodge that we, we've got to. <laughs> we're, we're quite comfortable with the fact that none of this is particularly pretty, uh, but it's, it's working for us at the moment. So they'll they'll open up their personal meeting room, and just open a video. And that obviously gives them just them on the screen so they can then give that and what zoom also allows you to do is record your screen uh, record the meeting so they'll hit record and then they'll say good morning year five how are you doing it's a bright sunny day today they normally give some shout outs because it's lovely for the children to hear their teacher saying oh what gosh disha you did a lovely piece of uh, writing yesterday when you emailed that in it, it made my day reading that it's nice of them to see that and, and to help them see that their work still being acknowledged and read what they'll then do is then use the Zoom function of sharing their screen to share their presentation or to share their visualizer. It's usually one of those two things. So so we, we also sent all of our teachers home with their visualizers. Um, they took those home on, on school closure day. So they've got them on their desks if they're doing some modeling. So usually maths lessons um, tend to tend to use um, presentation uh, and visualizer. And, and writing lessons um, are, are usually a bit more visualizer, uh, sort of like focused or whiteboard focused. Well, when uh, you say, well, sorry, John, when you say presentation, well, what do you mean there? Like a, a PowerPoint kind of annotating over a PowerPoint or is it something different? Yes, exactly. So it's usually um, the, the sort of uh, the slides that are provided by Maths Mastery. So the Active Inspire slides that are provided by Maths Mastery. It a presentation that the teachers um, have made for um, writing. So uh, an example there with with maths will be the teacher starts their presentation to say hello everybody, and then um, they'll share their screen and they'll say um, yesterday we were converting fractions to decimals and to percentages. Um, I just want to recap that skill, so I'm, I'm going to put ten up on the screen. I want you to pause pause the screen and and just practice doing those to make sure that we've got that at our fingertips. And they they've shared their presentation. There's ten there for them, and then the teacher will. Um, so they record it all in one go. So they'll just say to the children, pause the video now and complete your do now. They'll wait a second or so and they go, great, good to have you back. Let's go through the answers and you can tick them if you've got them correct. And then they'll just write using the um, using the sort of uh, annotation tool on, on Zoom. They'll just write the answers in um, so that kids can then see if they've got them correct. I see. This this is fascinating, this job. This is this is almost kind of like a third way in between. You've got the live teaching at one end of the spectrum. You've got the just setting work, whether it's off something like in secondary, like Hegarty Maths or Dr. Frost Maths or something like that. This is almost kind of in the middle of that for me. It's it's kind of taking the best elements of the live teaching because it's it's got that personal 
touch to it but also it's got that flexibility built in that the students don't have to be sat at their desks between 9 and 9.45 or, or whenever it is. Well, was that kind of very much in the forefront of your mind when you were devising this that you wanted kind of the best of both worlds? Yeah I think so. So we um, I think that one of the things we try to do is be really flexible and um, and 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 not overthink it too much um and uh we, what we've got is quite an adaptable uh, quite an adaptable model but one of the things that i think that has helped we think this has been quite successful we've got pretty pretty high take up so um um pretty close to 100 percent um of kids accessing and, and emailing and work every day um and and i think one of the things is we made a decision quite early on keep the plan simple and don't change the plan because it's really really tempting to go on twitter and go oh my gosh somebody's doing this somebody's doing <laughs> this this is available this is available and bombard parents and kids with emails being like you could do this you could do this you could do this and it all felt a little bit ad hoc and a little bit confusing um and and so one of the things that we think that was that was really important was kids seeing their teacher every day kids having the same structure every day uh, that sort of like real predictability of i know when i log on i will have three youtube links a maths link an english link and uh, a humanities or a science link that's my day um and, and throughout today i need to do those three videos plus some exercise um so we wanted to keep it really simple in in that sort of respect and then as we went through, we realized, so to begin with, we weren't doing a lot of sort of like, here, here are the answers, see if you can self-mark. But then we realized that's actually quite an easy fix. So our what we were doing is when kids emailed work in, um, our support staff were sort of marking that work and sending and sending it back. Uh, and that didn't feel like a really efficient sort of like use of time, given that what we could do is just put the answers up in the lesson and and that also then adds obviously this instructional value of seeing of kids seeing every bit modeled so if they did get it wrong they can see why they got it wrong i see this is absolutely fascinating this and um, again a few technical questions here you say about the kids log on in the morning to see their links to the three videos what where are they logging on to john so we use google classroom we already used google classroom um for all of our primary from year two up um, we use that for our homework anyway. So our kids are pretty used to um, logging on um, and and uh, and uh, completing tasks from on Google Classroom. Uh, what we've done now is we've we've made a YouTube channel because we realized that these videos um may well be useful to schools that aren't in a position to make these sorts of videos and so we've just plonked them we've made a youtube channel and we're just plonking them all on that youtube channel with a different playlist for each year group and subject so if you are a parent and you've got a kid in year one and you don't have any maths work for that kid at the moment because your school has made the decision that that's not something that they they, they think it's appropriate to provide um then you could still log on to our videos and the kids could have a maths video every day um so our kids go on to google classroom and those three links are posted there but families could just go onto the youtube channel um and and find the find the videos there our teachers work a day in advance so uh, on a monday they're recording the video for tuesday and they'll they'll pop that they'll usually schedule that so that it goes online eight o'clock the next morning i see so a, a couple more issues in terms of the um, the practicalities and i will i should say by the way of course i'll put a link to um the, the youtube channel in the show notes so listeners can can check out those videos um 
you mentioned that part of your day is kind of phoning around parents trying to deal with kind of technology issues and um, to two, two points on that john and um, how do you deal with with access issues kids just simply not having um, access to devices that can watch these videos and also what are some of the other kind of technical issues that you're running into with this so one of the things that we did before we closed was a device audit uh, and so we asked uh, all of our families all of these all of our kids um what devices they had at home so pretty much everybody has at least a smartphone in the home um not everybody uh, so those kids that just didn't have any device we just gave them a device so we've got chromebooks and we just we just doled out the chromebooks um we also have had some donations recently from bp and, and others of of uh, of laptops and so we're sort of prioritizing who those go out to to try and uh, beef up the device con the device uh, number of devices in, in homes so um we'll just try to be uh, as again not pretty we'll just try to be as flexible as possible um and just solve problems as they come up um we, we think that this is pretty unprecedented and trying to make like a big grand plan um is it sometimes um it means that you have something that's really unflexible and you can't really be agile um and and so me spending an hour or so just calling around families can actually solve sort of like nine or ten problems that might otherwise have been felt quite overwhelming um so we've made it so that kids all they need to do is watch the youtube video they don't have to do sort of like lots of online sort of uh opening up google docs and like completing google forms things because that really requires a laptop so um that's another reason that we just went for the video and pause the video and complete an exercise book um one of the problems that we've come up against is um internet access so that's probably a bigger problem than devices um mm. that this watching this number of videos rinses data uh, and so if you have a broadband deal that has a cap which some of our parents have then um it, you can cap out. Uh, that's actually a frustrating problem because one of the things, so you think that's an easy problem. You send those parents out dongles, right? So that, that was our first thing of I speak to a parent. They say, Oh, internet's capped out. I say, no problem. I'm going to buy a dongle and just like send a dongle to you. I'll put it in the post. It'll be there by tomorrow. Uh, but those things tend to have like running contracts. Um, mm. So it, it, that just, <laughs> that makes it like fairly annoying to set up. Um, but not impossible to solve. You can still set them up in, in that way. Uh, and also working with Internet providers um, to, to sort of like um, lift those lift those caps. So I, I would say that the broadband and, and the Internet access is, is a bigger problem for us at the moment, um, but uh, but not not insurmountable. And, and we're working on solving that at the moment. Got it. Got it. Um, I'm fascinated as well about how your teachers who are creating these videos are structuring their day. Um, do you get a sense? Is it, is it a case of they're doing the video kind of the evening before because therefore they've allowed time for the kids to complete the work from that that previous day so they can assess it, get a sense of it and therefore respond accordingly when they do the lesson for, for the video for tomorrow's lesson like you would do in a classroom. And is, is it um, you mentioned that you were kind of overseeing is perhaps the wrong word, but but like looking at some of these videos, do they have to run them by you before they post them on YouTube? Can you just talk us through kind of a typical how teachers are kind of structuring this work of, of producing the videos? 
Yeah, sure. So a teacher's day, they usually do them in the morning. So a teacher's day will be morning briefing at eight o'clock and then they will usually crack on with um, uh, with filming their video. So the rule is that kids are supposed to take a photo of each piece of work they do and email it to their teachers uh, by 2.30. Uh, but that's just a really uh, soft deadline. So loads of parents got in touch and said, I'm working at the moment. Um, is it okay if we send it at like eight o'clock? That suits me. I'll just I'll I'll photo their work after dinner and send it to you, and that's obviously completely fine. Um, <clears throat> we sort of use that as a register. So if we don't get anything from a family, um, then uh, teachers um, complete a tracker. Uh, so if we don't get anything from a family by ten o'clock the next morning, then we'll just we'll just check in with that family. Maybe not on day one, but maybe after sort of a couple of days of not getting anything we'll give them a call and that's not that's not like telling them off or like you haven't done your homework that's are you okay is there anything we can do to support you um would notice that there's no um that the work isn't being sent in um is is there a problem with that is there anything we can do to help with that um what's working for you at the moment um so it's just a way of making visible to us uh, families that that may be finding it difficult to sort of uh, keep keep up with that sort of routine and kids keeping up with the with the learning um so so teachers will usually have mo- have seen most of the work uh, by the next morning because it will have come in the previous afternoon most of it um they'll then record their video then from 11 till 12 teachers are online to talk to their kids so kids we we sent a timetable out to all the children which they don't have to follow but it's our sort of suggested timetable and in that between 11 and 12 is talk to your teacher time so they know that if they send an email between 11 and 12 they'll get a response from their teacher and very often that's what we would um uh what we would call nonsense <laughs> just <laughs> kids sending in nonsense but that's really important because they just they want to connect with especially with the younger children they want to connect with their teacher they want to they want to sort of tell their teacher silly things that they've been doing they want to just uh, have that chance to be able to check in with them uh, and sometimes it will be to do with uh, learning <laughs> not as often as we'd like but, <laughs> but sometimes it's a genuine question about learning um and that's also a time that the teacher will be on the google classroom sort of responding to comments on their um, and, and giving sort of shout outs to kids that are doing well so that's between 11 and 12 and they'll have some lunch um, and then in the afternoon um, they'll spend some time marking kids work um, completing sort of a, um, maybe responding to feedback they don't have to send things to any members of SLT first they can just upload it ready for the next day um, we are very very grateful for the tremendous sort of like flexibility and ingenuity that all of our teachers have shown um and they're just blown away by the quality like the consistent quality of the videos and quite difficult circumstances so our um one of our founding our executive principal one of our founding uh, members ed vanker he uh he's got his own kids on this now <laughs> and he's he's sort of constantly coming on to briefing calls just saying to the teachers it's just so good it's just so good um because his kids can sit it's, it's bought him a sort of like a couple of hours every morning with his kids sitting down and even though it's not their teachers being able to complete an hour of maths work and, and then an hour of literacy work um so they don't have to send them through to us um but what we will do as i say is the the slt will will watch them and just um just give any sort of prompts to say this looks a little bit too complex i'd sort of strip this down and make this a bit more straightforward um and 
and there there obviously will be an expectation that eventually maybe not maybe not on day one but over the next few days that would that would start to iron out i see i see and um, you mentioned that one change you'd made was to start putting some of the answers uh, within these videos so the kids get the immediate feedback and so on and so forth um is there always kind of a part of work that needs to do where the kids don't get the answers so that they've got something to send in or or is it is it all kind of self-marking if that makes sense yeah it's not all self-marking um so each day for maths they're left with a what we call a depth question um which is sort of like putting everything together um in um a question where the the application is not as straightforward that is then modeled the next day so they're sort of left with that so the, the maths lessons start each day with the teacher saying right let's have a look at the depth question from yesterday it's it's <laughs> i think of it as like um it's almost like uh one of the sort of like newspaper puzzles where, <laughs> where kids are left to sort of like ponder it and and yes. it tortures them and then the next day they get the answer in the in the newspaper um so they're left with that in terms of what the kids are expected to do um so they will complete the do now section for example and then self-market then there's um, maybe like an application uh, uh sorry a, a practice sec section just to sort of like say we're, we're doing um we're, we're um working on um added working on perimeter with um with sort of meters and centimeters today so one of the things we'll do is just build up our fluency in terms of like adding num adding decimal numbers um and and then there'll be a use and apply section um for each of those we we will have the answers up usually uh and then the kids will self-mark them and then the, the depth question that won't be answered to the next day. What the kids then do is they then send, they then take a photo um, of their work for that day and they email that in um, and they'll get an email back from either the teacher or, or one of the support staff. So one of the, one of the things that our support staff are doing, um, doing at the moment is responding to that work. And they might say something like, this presentation is atrocious. What on earth do you think you're doing? You'd never do this in school. <laughs> You'd never do it like this in school. Um, tomorrow, make sure that this is lined up nice and neatly like you normally do at school, please. Or it might be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that you've drawn a bar model for this. Nobody else did that. You're the most wonderful human being in the world. Well done. Um, and, and so they'll just get a little bit of feedback on that. I don't think there's much value to sort of leaving work on mark there because then it's quite it's a bit fussy for then support staff to like look through a photo of all the like all the application questions and be and say question eight looks wrong to me can you do that one again um i think it's it's probably better for the kids just to be self-marking that especially in maths um uh, you know with with maths you get feedback just from it being the wrong answer um so uh so that that's the way that we've taken with that and is it radically different in any other subject so john i'm obviously biased towards maths and maths from my, my sense so far is that maths lends itself a little bit better to this situation than something like english might do it is is, is that is that your sense as well and do you do anything different for the subjects yeah absolutely um it is different so maths i think maths lends itself to um businesses business as usual to a greater extent than other other mm. lessons um because obviously with english there's that qualitative aspect where it's really useful to be able to actually read the kids work um to to give them sort of like precise feedback of 
um when you're writing you're doing set and description we're doing setting descriptions and um a kid describes like a a knife as like obnoxious and you you might say okay so you, you've had a go at writing an expanded noun phrase there but can a knife really be obnoxious and maybe like in a terry pratchett way it can be and so if they're if they're going for that then great they've got like a really bit of dry humor there um but probably it's inappropriate and you need to see that it's there to say it's not appropriate to describe a knife as obnoxious. Um, well done for trying to use uh, a new bit of vocabulary. And you don't get that. So that can be quite so. So literacy is a bit more difficult. Um, similarly, with science, it obviously requires um, specialist equipment. So our science lead uh, for primary has just created a video of science experiments that kids can do around the home. Um, and and then sort of like added onto that the thought the theory behind it so that kids um get the um have a chance to do the practical they have a chance to do the experiment um and then they um but they what they sometimes it's sort of left at that and it's a fun left like that it's a fun activity because they don't really learn anything um and what they'll then get is okay so th this is what's going on at a molecular level that, that's sort of driving this um afterwards uh so there's there's a whole bunch of activities for kids to do there in terms of science and, and get a little bit of the theory as well. It, in truth, like rigor drops, <laughs> we've, yes. we've had to we've, we've had to make our peace with the fact that the, the rigor is going to drop here. Um, and and look, that's that's the situation. And, and that's it. That's OK. Um, uh, constantly trying to sort of say where where can we continue to deliver new content and where we can we should um and make sure it's decent quality and make sure our expectations are still high in terms of like the, the work that the kids are doing in terms of both like quality and quantity um but not sort of like beating our up beating ourselves up too much because we're not able to deliver the same level of rigor than we do normally in, in the classroom got it got it um Final kind of question, digging into the practicalities of this. Um, I'm, one thing that's come to light throughout this this series of podcasts I'm recording is is the different technologies that are being used for for kids and teachers to communicate with each other. And um, I really like the idea of using videos on YouTube because there's no login; it's easy to access. You can get it from any device and so on. Um, I'm interested in the kind of almost dual use, as far as I've picked up on it, John, between Google Classrooms and and, and emails. So, am I right in saying that in this this eleven until 12 time when teachers are online and um, kids can be sending in emails but they can also be chatting through google classroom and also what's the what's the logic and this isn't meant in, in a bad way at all uh, between um, what's the logic behind asking kids to email in photos of work versus using something like google classrooms because i'm just thinking of a teacher perhaps getting 30 emails with photos different orientations trying to figure out who they're from and all this kind of stuff um, and it, does email have any drawbacks in in in, in that sense 100%. That's the biggest problem. Uh, that's the biggest problem that we've come up against. That was like way more fussy than we than we hoped it would. Well, we anticipated it was going to be fussy. Um, but it's, the thing is, we had the decision that we made was we can either make this difficult for teachers or we can make it difficult for children. Yes. Let's make it difficult for teachers um, because uh, uh, submitting stuff through Google Classroom requires a, a level of sort of like technological understanding that is beyond some of our younger children and their families. And so then let's say that only sort of like 10 percent of our primary find that find that difficult. That's still that's still us having to contact 60 odd families to talk to them about um to discuss with them about how to upload something through google classroom which is it's not 
it's not like massively massively difficult but if you are not comfortable with technology and with computers then it's it's probably a level of complication that is beyond being able to sort of explain over a phone Mm. so it so that's the reason now having said that if kids want to upload stuff through google classroom they they can um and so we're starting to sort of like our rules are really relaxed generally like whatever works for you that's the thing that you do like that's generally our rule (laughs) um whatever you do for you that that is the thing whatever works and you find easy that is what you should do um but for our families um so if they want to upload through the classroom they're comfortable with doing that then that's fine and all of our children in secondary do that so all of our children in the phase three and phase four they complete their work they take a photo they add it to their drive on their phone and they upload it to google classroom nice and easy for them to do um beck owen our head teacher for the secondary phases made a video a quick video to sort of show children how to do that and explain to them before they left so we're confident that all like if you're 11 or 12 you're able to do that like yourself that you can you can understand how to do that if you're seven you're not necessarily able to to do that Mm. whereas your parent can what is straightforward is just taking three photos and emailing it to your teachers it takes the families 30 seconds to do in the evening and so removes that layer of stress for them the reason we want it every day is like there is an accountability thing here of our kids doing work um one of the things that we don't want to do is for this period to massively widen the gap. I know lots of people are worried about that. Um, so what can we do to ensure that all kids get access to the same sort of level of curriculum? Um, this is one of the ways. Uh, and so we we want to have a sense of which kids are and aren't doing the work so that where kids aren't doing the work, we can find out why and see if we can remove that obstacle if possible. That makes perfect sense. Fantastic. Um, so to summarise, uh, John, what, what would you say is working well out of out of this this experience? Uh, <laughs> so I think that there are a few things that have come out of this. So first of all, how much we love being in school and seeing our kids. Yes, <laughs> um, yes. and, and everybody's chomping at the bit to get back and get back into classrooms. Um, I think that what's worked well is we have, so for kids... We've seen some of our children who struggle with independent tasks at school. Um, we've seen them really flourish and complete amazing work that they're really, really proud of. And we're sort of like embarrassed because we're looking at each other and being like, oh, God, they've been at home for three days and they've completed a piece of writing that's better than anything we've ever seen. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that part of that is... Um, is that they're able to like take things at their own pace and and that's really causes to reflect of a lot of those kids who um can find uh lessons sort of like problematic and can can often sort of like act out in in response to that we're seeing just the fact that well when they pause the video they're going to pause it for 15 minutes instead of eight minutes but that's okay like that's the amount of time they need to complete the task and they haven't got a teacher being like You've got eight minute timer on the board. You need to complete more by then go. And that pressure then creating a sort of like implosion for that kid of I'm not going to do it in eight minutes and I'm not going to, I might as well just like give up on this completely. Um, It seems that being able to take it at their own pace a bit more is really benefiting those um, uh, children that are more vulnerable as learners. I think the second thing is it's helped our teachers really, really focus on 
uh, exposition and explanation um, and all of that sort of good stuff in, in terms of what we've learned from Cogsai in terms of like breaking things down into their constituent parts, ensuring sort of automaticity, uh, giving kids like appropriate scaffolds so that uh, they they have something to sort of like look back at in terms of taking it step by step, um, giving really good quality worked examples for kids to refer to. Like this is the bread and butter of distance teaching, but it's also the bread and butter of just good quality teaching more generally. Um, and so, it, so it's been a chance for us to sort of like reflect back on that. Um, so there, there obviously we, we want, we want to be back in school. We want to have our kids in our classrooms again, but um, it's, it has been a chance for us to be able to, um focus on a few of those things fantastic and um, I, I really like trying to find the positives in that, that that's superb that john and um, well what's not working quite so well um, so <laughs> so i mean the, one of the things that bothers me about this is that um it although we try to mitigate it does feel like those those families and, and children with the with the least material means uh, are the most sort of like punished by this mm. by this particular period and are finding it most difficult to access what's available and i think ultimately are going to come back from this lockdown um further behind than those that uh, have have either the means to sort of give every kid in their class uh, uh every sorry every kid in their home their own ipad with logins for the best sort of like e-learning platforms and um, all sorts of like other things and that i think that that's that's hard and, and some of those problems like i mentioned with the the sort of like just giving kids dongles um that are, are not as straightforwardly solvable as as we'd ho- hope um so i think that that's really tough something we've also heard <laughs> from like we think all parents are finding this really really hard um and when i mentioned like the gap there and those parents with more material means in a sense those kids like they obviously have an advantage and there's obviously a sort of like level of privilege there in terms of like not having to worry about that stuff but the it, those parents even our most affluent parents with all of that stuff are finding this really hard um and, and finding it finding that keeping a kid even with a set routine uh, entertained and sort of occupied for eight hours a day when they weren't used to doing that is is really stressful and, and really difficult um and if you're finding it really stressful and really difficult when you have sort of all the material means that you need then that's going to be obviously um hugely um, more difficult if you don't have those um and so that i think is is obviously not working well uh, just just generally and, and one reason we want to get back to school as quickly as possible um yeah absolutely um yeah t- yeah again that that's one thing that's coming through this this, this real fear of, of widening the gap it's, it's it's a really tough one um john you mentioned that one thing that you've changed um since you started doing this was was the notion of putting up answers uh, so kids could self-mark during the lesson is there anything else that you've changed in in the couple of weeks that this has been going um yeah with our with our older students um starting to give a bit more sort of independence so uh one of the things that i'm doing is um a bridging course to you well, i'm doing a year 11 bridging course so with our year 11 uh, and our secondary students they have a maths and an english every day and then two more lessons so that that's um, a, a much uh, um uh more stripped back curriculum than they used to 
um, but they have four lessons that they need to complete. And for year 11, they do a bridging curriculum. So that would just be them getting ready for the subjects that they're taking in year 12. So because I teach in our, our A-level religious studies, I've just put together a, a six-week curriculum of sort of like, welcome to philosophy and ethics, welcome to theology. Here are some of the big concepts we're going to be covering. Um, and it, for our year 13, the, the kids that I was <laughs> that I thought I was uh, preparing for an A-level, um, which they'll <laughs> never get to do now, um, uh, just doing a pre-university course for them. Um, and uh, again, sort of like um, 12 sessions or so. Um, here's, here's what you can expect at university. We've, we've tried to really give those pupils more independence and um, trying to navigate this is difficult um, but we have been surprised at how well pupils have been able to uh, use the use the internet to um, to sort of uh, deepen and broaden their own sort of learning experiences and so ensuring that they as well as that structure and seeing the teacher and having those sorts of lessons each day they have the opportunity to um, learn more independently and, and sort of like exploit what's what's available to them i think that that's something that, we, that we've been um uh less sort of cautious um <clears throat> in doing than we would normally be when when we have the kids at school got it got it and and do you get a sense john of how your students are finding the experience and in particular is there any difference uh, between the age groups yeah you're the first primary teacher we've spoken to on this series i'm, I'm particularly interested if if you're finding like the, you your younger students are finding this any any different to your older students yeah so um i think it's a really good question i think that it's confu really confusing for our for our younger primary students um so the feedback that we've had from parents has been really really positive they've they've been really grateful that we uh have, have provided um the, all of these lessons because they they've sort of told us that uh that that structure and that routine is really important for their kids and, and that they they were worried that they wouldn't have that so with with their children um they can they can sort of sit them down at give them their breakfast and then at nine o'clock do do some exercise together with joe wicks in front of them and then say right it's time to do your maths now um you, you sit down and, and watch your teacher's video if you haven't you know if you're finding it tricky then i'll, I'll come and help you but that's your next hour now so and and it just gives that day that same pattern and, and routine i think it's a bit confusing for the kids because generally when you're when you're five or six you're like when i'm at school i'm doing work and when i'm at home then it's playtime and so that sort of like school seeping into the the home life in that way um i think is probably like a bit more confusing for our our younger children our second um our older primary children um have uh again got we've got so many great um videos and photos and one of the things that we've done for staff morale is we just have like a, a google slides uh document um where whenever we get like a cool video or picture from a kid where they're doing some work or doing something funny at home we'll just put it on there so we can all just <laughs> go into that and, and <laughs> have a look at all the kids at home doing great work we've got photos of kids that are still insisting on year three children that are still insisting on wearing their school uniform every day when it's a school, <laughs> when it's a school day 
Um, and so our, our older children have, have adapted um, really, really well to it. I think part of that is because it's their teacher on the screen and, and it's the book that they were reading, the book that they were studying before they before they left. It was the same sort of maths unit that they were doing before they left. Um, and they're, they're pretty savvy with technology. Uh, so so that hasn't been too much of a problem. Um, I think that year 11 is probably the, the most tricky in terms of like motivating <laughs> year 11 to continue with curriculum work like how how tough for them right they they thought that they were working towards GCSEs which has suddenly been whipped out from underneath them they have no idea sort of what's starting next year in September uh, so getting them to sort of like motivate the year 11 to log on every day and complete these sorts of tasks when they know that there's no end goal um and and of course we can say until we're blue in the face like this is great prep for year 12 you'll be behind if you don't do this it's worth learning just for its own sake but when i think about myself at sort of 16 uh i hope that none of them are listening to this but when i think about myself at, yeah, at 16 i think i would find it really hard if i was told my GCSEs were cancelled and and my maths teacher said however we're going to continue completing the textbook because it's fun then i think i'd find it really hard to sort of motivate myself on that and the, the truth is we have very little leverage like this there's, there's not really anything that we can do if they if they just choose not to which means that we're having to focus on incentives and praise and and sort of like motivating factors um which i guess is another interesting another interesting difference for all of us um as teachers uh, we can have that big debate around sort of like behavior and discipline and and we as a school we sort of like i think that we quite often get criticized by those who sort of like the the no excuses they the people they say oh you're warm and fuzzy you do all the relationship work yeah we have sort of um on-site counseling uh, for the kids all the time and we use first names and they think they're all too warm and fuzzy and then those that uh, believe in sort of restorative justice say oh you, you use doug and marvin t t like you're you're too strict <laughs> and we just sort of like we feel like we're hated by both sides uh, um but this has been a useful exercise in well actually most of the most of the stick sort of elements of your of your behavior management strategies have been have been removed you you've been you've been stripped of the uh, stripped of the stick and all you've got left is the carrot um and and so how do you motivate kids when there when uh it's quite difficult to sort of offer um a sort of like a consequence for not doing it or not doing it to a good enough standard and be actually not tons of sort of like obvious um positive sort of like incentives that's absolutely fascinating this this john and as i said this is for, for me we're, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to get you back on to, to dig deeper into some of your your routines and processes and stuff that, that you have in place and um, in the school and um, but but just to, just to bring this this conversation to an end just just three quick reflections from you and again feel free to be as brief or as detailed as you like on these and people have taken these um, all different kinds of ways so my first question is is there anything at all about distance teaching or remote learning or whatever label we want to put on it that you actually prefer to in the classroom teaching so yes the, the short answer is yes um one thing is I, I feel like i've had a lot more time to think hard about curriculum to think hard about sort of like um uh reflecting on the what the pupils are sort of like 
uh, going to be doing that extra time. So I think I'm probably working about five hours a day at the moment. I think our teachers are probably working about about the same. Our kids are probably working about the same. And and we had a discussion as an SLT of like, so it, if that's what we think, what do we think about that? And, and we basically decided like that that feels like the sweet spot. That feels about right. I guess we could say like you're contracted to, to work this many hours. So let's fill those extra hours that you're not working for. But uh, what would be the point in doing? I, I think like generating that sort of work for work's sake doesn't feel like it, it would be a, a positive step and might eradicate some sort of goodwill. Um, and for me, that extra time has just been really, really helpful because I just, I just sort of feel like I'm able to think about what I'm doing um, at a much greater level of, of depth. Um, so so I, I quite enjoy that. Um, I think that one thing that I enjoy uh, is that so much accountability has been taken away that I feel like I can geek out about my subject a bit more. So designing a sort of like pre-year 12 course was just tons of fun because I could whip out my book of like uh, um, philosophical thought experiments and say, this is, we've never had time to sort of talk about this in lessons, but it's what got me passionate about the subject in the first place. It's the reason I went on to, to study at a university. And now I can spend an hour talking to my kids about it because, <laughs> because the sort of all bets are off in, in, in the sense of the sort of accountability. And so that area of having like that level of flexibility, I have really enjoyed. And I feel like a bit of a hypocrite saying this because I've, I've sort of been quite vocal and outspoken about how I think that having accountability measures is like sensible and, and grown up and professional and that SATs are fine and we, we should have SATs and that um, it's, it's okay to sort of like have curricula scrutinized. Um, and so I'm, I'm just going to, I'm just going to uh, offer no defense to myself there. <laughs> I'm, being, I'm being a hypocrite because it is lovely to be able to just sort of uh, follow, follow um so yeah that, that i think that's that's the thing that, that, that i've enjoyed the most that's fantastic and and kind of following on from that do you think this experience will change your classroom teaching in any way john i thought about this and no i don't <laughs> unfortunately i don't think i do um i am really skeptical of the idea that like this is going to fundamentally change everything uh, i think that the next 12 to 18 months are going to be a bit shaky and a bit weird um the we have this problem obviously of year 11 next year are gonna have only studied uh, a fraction of the gcse courses and they're supposed to same with a-level kids um uh, other than that i don't i don't ha i don't think that we're suddenly going to start like flipping our classrooms i don't think that teachers sort of classroom practice is going to change massively um I, I think that schools will settle back into a similar routine to think about six months ago. Schools will look pretty much like that in about six months. Um, maybe I'm proven wrong. I think that it's really, really, really hard to shift like people's habits and cultures and, and structures. And, and once, especially once the sort of uh, accountability measures that have now been removed come back in, I think, I think that, classrooms are going to look very very similar to what they've always looked like it's 
fascinating. Fascinating. And final question, John. Um, again, you've already dropped loads of uh, good piece of advice and, and nuggets throughout this. I wonder if there's any way kind of to, to summarize or pick out one or two key pieces of advice or tips uh, for teachers listening who find themselves in this situation. What, what, what have you learned? Um, so th- one thing, um, one thing that I haven't spoken about is the, the sort of community work that we're doing. Um, we, uh, we're, we're currently making 400 meals, um, each day for, for our families who are on free school meals, but also for other members of the wider community, vulnerable members of the wider community, elderly people. We have some parents coming in that do a sort of delivery service, but parents come and pick those up on Mondays and Thursdays. So they have all of their food available. And, and I think that speaks to like, in terms of <laughs> if there's a piece of advice, uh, now is now is the time to like be a human being just be a human being first and be a teacher second um just be kind to people um be we start every conversation with staff members parents pupils with is there anything i can do to help like what can we do to support uh because this is a really difficult time for so many people um and and now is not the time we think to be heavy hind- heavy handed now is the time just to be a human being um so that in fact i'll leave it at that that's my piece of advice be a human being be kind <laughs> that is a lovely way to to end john that that's superb well this has been an absolute pleasure as i say i've been looking forward to speaking to you on the podcast in some form for a long time now and this this has kind of whet my appetite for more um so thank you for giving up your time and also a massive thank you to you and your team for making those videos freely available i'll link to them on the show notes um, i had a quick look at them this morning when i was when i was prepping for this they're absolutely they're absolutely superb and i imagine they're going to be a godsend for for parents and also for, for teachers listening to this so a big thank you on behalf of everybody to to in your team and a thank you to you john for giving up your time to speak to us today real pleasure thanks so much for having me on craig <laughs>